Welcome to Texoga Talks, where energy meets insight. The purpose of this podcast is to provide you with a candid conversation about our energy needs, our energy security, and your energy future. Texas oil and natural gas have made our nation the world's energy leader. Constantly innovating and investing to fuel the economy, protect the environment, and power the world. This industry is fast-paced, high-tech, and essential to improving modern life. And we're here to talk about it. You're listening to Texoga Talks, where energy meets inside. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Todd Staples, coming to you from the steps of the Texas State Capitol here in Austin, Texas. We're delighted to share with you today this episode of Texoga Talks. The Texas Oil and Gas Association, or what we like to refer to as Texoga, has membership that spans every aspect of production. In fact, from production to pipelines to processing to ports is what we want to talk about today, and I refer to that as the four Ps. Joining me in this discussion is Shana Joyce. Welcome, Shana. Hi, thank you for having me today Did to you talk kn- about these four important things. So sorry. No, <laughs> you knew what the four Ps were all about. But I think you probably thought pizza was one of those, right? I was hoping pizza was one of them. Pizza would be good. (laughs) The four P's is what I call the pipelines, processing, production, and ports. Mm -hmm. And it just really describes what uh, oil and gas is all about. And that's what I wanted us to, to, to visit about today. You know, I think this will give us a chance to really talk about what the industry is doing and um, why these four P's are so important to the process of oil and gas and how these four processes take us to the products that we use every day. They, every day, oil and gas is a part of our lives. And it's exciting when you think about the men and women that are out there in the field making all of this happen. It doesn't happen by accident. It's is actually a kind of a complex process. Mm-hmm. We have engineers and specialists of all different varieties that we'll talk about. I guess what we ought to do is think about the four Ps. We'll, leave, we'll put pizza aside for now. I know it's hard to do. And let's just get right into production and talk about what production is and and what all that means. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. So I know production, we can also call that the upstream section, right? Or exploration and production are also EMP. Now, I hope that you're taking notes at home because there will be a test. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, that (laughs) makes me nervous. I don't know if I won't (laughs) test here today or not. Production is where you go find the oil and natural gas. That's really what it's all about. It's about extracting it out of the ground. Uh, pulling it up from the geological reservoir that it's stored in. And it takes a host of professionals to be able to do that. Geologists, uh, reservoir engineers, hydrologists, uh, petroleum engineers, just a variety of experts that are looking at these rock formations where millions of years ago, oil and natural gas was uh, deposited from decaying uh, leaves and dinosaur bones and all other types of things that is there for a resource for us to enjoy today. And man, has it made life better having this resource. Absolutely. And I I, I like that you pointed out some of the uh, careers that come from that sector of the the first P that we're talking about today. Um, When we talk about STEM education, uh, these are the types of careers that um, edu- that you, you know, children can get involved with uh, and still be a part of that, that first P. There are many opportunities in the oil and gas industry to be a part of producing the fuel that literally makes modern life possible. And all the natural gas companies are delivering these fuels 
in, in a cleaner and better way than ever before, thanks to technological advances and those types of things. But when we're when we're talking about production, you know, I think a lot of people's minds. You remember the old drilling rigs that that are the lattice work that is comes to mind. That's the little doodle that you would draw, right? Yeah, it's right. just very simple. And you you'd see that and you'd resonate that with all in natural gas production. Well, drilling really does still happen today. That's the first step after uh, landman, which is another uh, term that women and men are what they call landman, putting the tracks together that comes in where drilling uh, occurs. This is about going and drilling down into the reservoir where that oil or natural gas has been deposited so long ago. Um, drilling is one phase of doing that. Uh, in fact, a very smart Texan uh, by the name of George Mitchell, um, not, we're not going to get any college uh, issues today. I do believe George Mitchell was an Aggie. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that, he's a smart guy, that's for sure. Uh, if I was an Aggie, I think I would do a whoop here. Yeah, that's, okay. that'd be good timing. Uh, we need something to whoop about as <laughs> Aggies. Right. We, we do. <laughs> uh, so George Mitchell actually took the, 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 the thing that's been done forever, the drilling vertically, but he started drilling uh, uh, horizontally. Uh, going through rock formations horizontally rather than into a reservoir. And he combined with that a practice known as hydraulic fracturing. And hydraulic fracturing has been around since, I don't know, the 1940s, maybe longer. I'll say this, if hydraulic fracturing was a person, uh, hydraulic fracturing would be drawing Social Security right now because yeah. it's been around that long, if that yeah. puts it in context. But George Mitchell combined hydraulic fracturing with with um, horizontal drilling, and that's why Texas is producing so much oil and natural gas today. It's really been a game changer. Absolutely. And um, I know that Daniel Jurgen, who is an oil industry expert and historian and analyst, um, says that the fracking technique is, so imp is the most important and biggest energy innovation of this century. Isn't that a and Daniel Jurgen's a smart guy, so he really, he really thinks thoughtfully through on the history of oil and gas and what that implies for the future. And that's amazing that he he commented on that work that was done so long ago. And a lot of people have refined it. I mean, it's amazing to me when you think about drilling, we're drilling far fewer wells today. We're, there are far fewer rigs today, I will say, mm -hmm. than there was even a year ago. And it's because of this technological advancement that is occurring. Now, not only are we drilling, but there's a phase of drilling that's really a part of the production that's called completion. And that's a whole new component of drilling is completion of that well. I will also say um, one, it is a sight to behold a drilling rig. Mm -hmm. uh, we were driving to East Texas actually this weekend. Hey, that's and a great part of Texas, by the way. I know it's your favorite part. Yeah. Uh, and seeing one at night and it lit up and, and it in operation and seeing the magnitude uh, that it really uh, takes to to extract the oil and gas from the ground is amazing to see. And oil and natural gas production today is really focused on uh, uh, environmental performance, I might say. Mm -hmm. uh, protecting our water quality is essential in every well, well that's drilled and every well where hydraulic fracturing is used because uh, wells are drilled today with multiple layers of steel and cement and here's a test question for you. Ooh. Why are wells drilled and using multiple layers of steel and cement? Why are they doing that? To protect the environment. Bingo. But specifically, what are they protecting when they're drilling that well? 
they're protecting the water supply, right? Yes. It's the aquifer beneath there because our, our aquifers are beneath our surface. The oil and natural gas is deposited thousands of feet below the reservoir. And so scientists have developed a very thoughtful process that protects that water supply. And when you drill through water resources, you're using multiple layers of steel and cement at backups for backups to make certain and protect that water supply. And I just think industry, industry has done a really good job doing that. You know, years ago, there was some fake news about water being impacted by uh, drilling for gas. And a lot of that was rebutted. And there's been some news recently about that. That was phony information that was being put out about that process. It's very safe. Absolutely. I think you've showcased that here with the amount of protections that um, operators take when they're drilling. All right, Todd. So we've talked a lot about that first P, which is production. Um, but give me, lay some some stats on me about why Texas is such a big producer and, and what our state really produces. You know, we're all proud to be Texans, that's for sure. And we have a lot to be proud of. But I want to put that in context, Shannon, because really about five countries uh, comprise 50% of the, of the world's oil supply. You've got the United States, Russia, it, even with what's going on in Ukraine, they're still a big player, Saudi Arabia, Canada, and then you've got Iraq. So th those five countries alone produce 50% of the world's crude oil. But let's step back from that. The reason the United States is the world's number one producer is because if Texas were its own country, would be the fourth largest oil producing country in the world. And that's a big deal. That happens because of the production that occurs right here in the Lone Star State. And I know I mentioned earlier that I drove, was driving to East Texas um, and saw that drilling rig. But let's talk a little bit about where in Texas we're, we're finding these reservoirs for, um, for our first P. And the first is the Permian Basin, mm -hmm. which is um, near in West Texas, Midland, Odessa area. Mm -hmm. And this is the most productive oil field in the United States. Uh, the next is the Eagle for Shale, which is in South Texas, right? So Carn City, Kennedy area, Beeville, um, and then finally East Texas, right? Um, and these two combined are the second most productive oil field, not only in Texas, but in the U.S. And so we claim uh, the first and second spot. We do. And it's it's good thing you pointed out those production areas because Two, two things I want to point out. One is you don't have to live in the middle of the oil patch to benefit from the uh, gr grand economic opportunities that oil and gas provides in all of those regions. If you go to those regions today, it is a hotbed of economic activity, jobs, construction, good things taking place. The reason it's important that all the second point I want to make is that pipelines are the reason that we have all this activity scattered all the state. Pipelines are the most efficient way to move product. Pipelines are the safest way to move oil and natural gas from generally, most of the time, the rural areas of Texas to our ports, to our refiners, uh, which is a little, a little crowd teaser here. That may be one of the P's coming up here in a different term. <laughs> uh, but uh, those pipelines are really the best and safest way to move product from wherever it's produced and uh, pipelines uh, have a great history, a strong track record of safety. And there's a lot of work that goes in to make certain that those pipelines are operating in the most safest manner. Absolutely. So are you telling me that the next P is pipelines? Bingo. Okay. You got it. I got it. that one you right. You got it. You're good. <laughs> You're good. So um, 
we talked about the places. So now we're talking about moving that, that product. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell me, is there an important, there's another important P that's kind of a sub P. Okay. Um, so what does a pig have to do with pipelines? Well, pigs are depredating animals that are found in rural parts of Texas. <laughs> no, that's a different kind of pig. Yeah. I think the pig that you're talking about is a pipeline inspection gauge. Mm -hmm. Years ago, they uh, were able to develop a process where a, a pig, a pipeline inspection gauge, goes through the pipeline to detect any uh, problems that might be observed. And now... They have smart pigs. Yes. Mm. Wait. I knew you were waiting for that <laughs> one, right? Smart pigs now are constantly giving feedback to the operators of the pipeline, which are monitored 24-7. They, mm -hmm. got, they've got great control rooms. It looks like the Starship Enterprise and some of those places with all the computer monitors where they're actually monitoring what goes along. Uh, Texas has uh, uh, over 400,000 miles of pipelines, um, and it moves products to everywhere you need it if you... Uh, rely on natural gas for your heating in your home or your cooking in your home or your water heater, that's delivered to you by a pipeline. If you fill up with gasoline uh, at a car, uh, gasoline is shipped to a terminal via pipeline, and then it's moved that last distance uh, on, uh, uh, on a truck to your convenience store where you fill up. Shana, can you imagine how many more trucks we would have on the roads today if it weren't for pipelines? I, I don't think it would help any of our construction or our congestion issues, excuse me, especially here in Austin. I'll tell you this. I was in your car and I saw a couple of little seats for little people. And that would make a long drive even longer for those kids Absolutely. if you were behind a bunch more trucks. <laughs> and Austin, uh, Austin Bergstrom Airport just uh, had a pipeline built yes. that took thousands of trucks a day off the road and delivering jet fuel to Austin Bertram. That's right. It showcases how big our state is and how, how fast we're growing here. People are moving here from other states. Um, businesses are moving here. So having these efficiencies and making sure that we are protecting the environment in the best way, getting trucks off the road and still getting us the products that we need. That's right. It all works together. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about how are pipelines built? How are they constructed? And and what are the processes that that flow, if you would, hey, uh, like for, <laughs> for pipeline construction? <laughs> you thought about that all getting prepared for this. I'm working you on go. it. You're good. No, that's good. That just came out spontaneously. That there was good. Go. Pipelines are an important part of oil and natural gas. And there's in Texas, there's two kind of there's several different kind of pipelines. You have transmission lines that carries product from those basins that we talked about, Shana, to the final end user. You have gathering lines that collects the oil and natural gas from the wells. You have two different types of pipelines from a broader scale. You have interstate, which may originate in Texas, but goes to another state or other multiple states. As a matter of fact, the Colonial Pipeline mm -hmm. carries gasoline to the whole Northeast. They, they, they couldn't get around. The Northeast is dependent on Texas. I kind of like that. I like that too. Um, and we have intrastate lines that only start and end inside the state of Texas. And so when planning for pipelines, you, you, you know, you're, you try to be sensitive to bodies of water. If there are existing lines of right of way, uh, you try to use those existing lines often. If there are historical uh, circumstances, you try to stay away from those. Obviously, you try to not go through the middle of major cities because you'd want to not disrupt the traffic and things that are there. So those are all the types of factors that go into routing a pipeline. 
I'll say this as well. You don't just turn a pipeline in a make an L-shaped turn. You, you have to really be thoughtful in that planning. And so if there's one obstacle, you have to kind of work around that. And it makes affects a lot of different different areas, you might say. Absolutely. And um, Texas private property rights are king, right? And um, I know that's an important issue that you have intimate knowledge on. And so let's talk a little bit about uh, landowners' rights and the processes that, how, how do they get involved in the process? That's a great point to bring up because property rights are very important in Texas. They're protected by the Texas Constitution and property rights are also protected by the United States Constitution as they should be. Absolutely. As a, a former active real estate broker and real estate appraiser, uh, I work with a lot of landowners. I've been in agriculture my entire life as well. And uh, landowners very much protect their rights to private property as, as well they should. And the process is designed constitutionally to protect landowners, to make certain that if negotiations, and that's always the first effort, is that negotiating with landowners for what's a fair price for their property. And the Constitution requires it to be just compensation. And so there's a process of um, local landowners. If there is a concern that the offer is not what it should be, there's a process that guides that and that is established in statute to protect those landowners. And um, uh, there are, are multiple ways to do that, but protecting the rights of property owners is the, is the right way to do it. You know, we have to build roads in Texas. We have to build power lines, broadband, uh, internet. We all have to live with that. All of that requires gaining an easement on private property to be able to move that uh, sewer and water lines, those kinds of things. We wouldn't have society today if we didn't have a provision that allowed to build these projects. If an agreement cannot be reached, then there are protections in statute and constitutionally to make certain that landowners are dealt with fairly. And that's that's very few times or is actually condemnation exercise, the process of eminent domain mm -hmm. issues pretty infrequently in most instances. And I know that um, the under the attorney general's office, uh, they have a landowner's bill of rights. And so that's a really good resource for landowners when it comes to understanding the eminent domain process or understanding the process of progress in our state. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an important tool for landowners to have as well at their disposal. Yeah, it, it is. It, uh, the attorney general handbook, there are other publications that are beneficial to landowners as well that could be used in that process. You know, safety is so important in the development of pipelines. Pipelines are operated safely. Uh, uh, we encourage landowners of uh, either your home or a big ranch to dial 811, call before you dig. We think that's important. Pipelines have to be buried a minimum of 36 inches beneath the topsoil. And so uh, some of them go deeper for different instances, but there's a lot of safety factors that go into play here. You know, I'm really glad you mentioned uh, the burial of pipelines because uh, three feet underground means natural insulation in my mind. Yep. And I just wanted to clear that up that pipelines don't freeze. That's right. Pipelines do not freeze. That product flows. Yeah. Uh, there are other choke points along the way that might interfere with the movement of product, but Pipelines are really the best way and the safest way. And if you get on Texas highways, you want to remove as many trucks as you can so that you can um, have, you know, less congestion to have to deal with. So you talked a little bit about the careers that we had for production, mm -hmm. for the production P. So what are some careers for this pipeline P? 
Well, pipelines actually um, have the same. They have landmen that negotiate with landowners. They have engineers that design the, the pipelines. They have a whole legal department that makes certain that it's done fairly and that mm -hmm. landowners are treated appropriately. There's a constant effort uh, on the oversight that we talked about. So there's many different areas. And hey, guess, the, guess what? Pipelines pay taxes too. And so communities benefit when pipelines go through their communities. There's a lot of money that's, that's generated from pipelines. So I think we've talked a little bit about this, but pipelines are essential for Texas growth as we continue to be a booming state. Absolutely. And I didn't mention what I learned how to do as a green hand in FFA back in the day, and that's welding. Uh, for oh, pipelines, that's kind of a big go. thing. I missed that one, right? And uh, boy, that was a low-hanging fruit. Actually, my dad taught me how to weld on the farm beforehand, but FFA advanced as well. So welders really make good money. I'll also and, say that a lot of our companies um, that Texogo represents um, actually put money into education for those types of programs too, where you have these special schools where kids go to high school, but also you learn these essential skills like welding and an electrician and things like that. So then they can get the certi certifications that they need to get right into these high paying jobs. That's right. Uh, Lamar University is one of those. Uh, the, and you could name, you could start naming them. I mm -hmm. probably shouldn't have started because I'll be in trouble now that I didn't name them all. <laughs> That's right. But I just thought about that because they have a they developed a new class and a new program for management. And uh, so it's a lot of good things happening in Texas. Absolutely. One quick thing that I want to finish on for this P before we go to the next is that Texoga actually has a landowner um, handbook on our website. It's a Pipelines 101 resource where you can learn more about these um, fun buzzwords like pigs. Um, you have an access to a copy of the Landowner Bill of Rights and um, lots of really commonly asked questions that maybe we didn't cover here today. So you can find that at texoga.org slash pipelines 101. That's good. That's a good handbook. I've looked at that. And I think you you really did a lot of good work there and that every landowner should get a copy of that because uh, from the oil and gas industry, we want landowners fully informed. Absolutely. And um, it's better for everyone when that's the case. Absolutely. So, Todd, I think you um, hinted at this earlier, but I think we've made it to our third P. We have indeed. And the third P refers to processing. Processing is where refining occurs because refiners are actually processing the crude oil that they are shipped through a pipeline that comes from production. So go. we've got three of the piece covered and they, they take the, and processing is really, when I think about it, I think about refining, but we also process the gases along the way. There's gas processing units. And so you have refining, which is the bulk of it, I think. That's right. I um, A really good fun fact I have for you is Texas is home to 31% of the nation's refining capacity. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. I mean, you, and most of that refining capacity is located along the Gulf Coast That's of right. Texas. We have some in East Texas as well, and there's different refiners scattered around the state, which is so important because guess what they're doing at those refineries? They're making gasoline. That's right. They're making diesel. They're making jet fuel, we mentioned a little bit mm -hmm. earlier. And they're making all the fuels products that we use on a daily basis that makes modern life possible today. And they're doing a whole lot more. It's amazing. Absolutely. So when you say refining, how would you describe that to someone? Well, according to the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers Association, they've got a great website and I would refer their, their good friends and good allies. Absolutely. They do a good job. But you're really taking the oil that comes from the production or the natural gas that comes from production 
and you're separating that natural gas into dry gas and natural gas liquids, you're taking that crude oil and you're making all the products that we talked about, but you're really making much more. Shana, every drop of oil in a barrel of oil is converted to a product that's useful and it's through applying heat and pressures and uh, it takes a lot of smart people to make all that work. Absolutely. I think one time when we went to visit a refinery, um, one of the, one of the people that work there, he took us on a tour and he said, my kids think I work at a steam factory because when you drive around a refinery, you see the steam coming out from all of the different pipes as they do all those processes that you just described. And products that are occurring in our refineries are shipped, not only that make modern life possible in Texas. Uh, I mean, let's think, let's think about this for a moment. Okay. I mean, this gets into chemistry and I, I kind of focused on the social sciences in, in college and not these, the hard engineering classes. <laughs> I took but, chemistry for non-majors to be, to be fair. You know, I had a roommate <laughs> that took chemistry twice. He loved it so much. Uh, anyway, these products are, are refined into chemicals that are then further broken down into material that goes into seatbelts, yeah. um, um, parachutes, makeups, medicines. It's amazing. Bicycle helmets. You got it. Bicycle the, tires. The vest you're wearing. The, the very nice. The very, very nice, nice vest, vest you're wearing. Right yes. 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 <laughs> uh, it's amazing what, what is capable from these refining processes. And guess what? All of that comes together and it means jobs for Texans, jobs for Americans, uh, just like in the production and in, and in the pipelines. And when we talk about those products that come from those um, from from the feedstocks to the products that they make, it's 96% of everything that we use every day. And again, I know we've talked about, we've, we've given that stat out before, but it's so important. It sounds made up, doesn't it? It really does. We're not. But it's not. We're not, <laughs> we're not making that number we're not. up. It is, it, is, it is very legitimate. And if you take any science class, you'll come to that same conclusion. Science is important. I, I've, if I had to do college again, I'd probably do it differently. I had to take a lot of science classes. I'm good. You're good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> well, we get to kind of work in science every day, to be honest. When we talk about, we're, we're here talking about um, different chemicals and things that we make to create these products. So yes, we still work in science every day. And I really appreciate the control room operators, the chemical engineers, the yes. environmental technicians, just to name a few of the people on the plant side uh, doing the refining of these products in a very, very uh, smart way. And it's highly regulated. Absolutely. And you know what? Technology continues to improve in the refining process, just like it does in the smart pig process that we talked about. And just like in, you know, the production process. So We've done pretty good here to knock out three of the four P's. So I think we have one more P. We do. Our fourth and final P is, drum roll. Ports. Ports. And people may not think about ports immediately with oil and natural gas, but our ports play an important role because we, you know, it's kind of like, you know, somebody had an ice cream commercial here. Eat, we eat all we can and we sell the rest. Literally, the world is lined up at the doorstep of Texas in energy need to uh, to receive the products that are being produced in the field, that are being transmitted by our pipelines, and then that are being uh, processed at our refining capacities because they need uh, LNG, mm -hmm. uh, they need crude oil mm -hmm. shipped around the world, they need refining products. And these are, we're talking about our allies. We're talking about people with real energy need 
that are lined up literally at the doorstep of Texas for our products. That's right. When we talk a lot um, in our country about energy security, this is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about, when we say that phrase. Um, I'll also say we produce 31 BCF a day of natural gas. Of, of, mar of just marketed natural marketed gas. Marketed natural That's gas. Right. That's right. And so part of that is exported through our ports. And, and again, it's because we consume all that people want to buy. Mm -hmm. It's real easy. It's a lot easier to buy it locally if you're buying something than go across the world to get it. So Texans buy all they need. And then we have a great amount of infrastructure that's built out to distribute that product domestically and then to be the friends and allies that we need to be across the globe. It's exciting when you think about the role in energy security and, and what that leads to national security to countries around the globe. And I think there's been a, a different shift in demand when we talk about global politics and the things that have happened over the last couple of years. And now countries um, in Europe and Asia continue to have that need uh, for liquefied natural gas. That's right. And we have more LNG export facilities that are being built literally today as we speak right here in the Lone Star State. We've got ports like Houston and Corpus Christi, um, uh, Brownsville, mm -hmm. Port Arthur, uh, Freeport. I mean, there's just, we could go on Texas city. We've got, absolutely. We're, we're very blessed with coastline. We're blessed with production. We've got production. We've got pipelines, we've got processing and we have ports that brings it all together. And, um, we, we need to, we're energy independent. Shana, I think is a fair term to say today. We still import some products that just make sense to get it from somewhere else. Just like our foods and wines that sometimes are imported. You know, we import different products. We import apparels, but the good thing about oil and gas, we're a net exporter of oil and gas. Thanks to our ports. Thanks to the role that the men and women in our ports play that brings it all together. That makes the four P's possible. Absolutely. So Todd, I think that um, covers the four P's production, pipelines, processing, ports. You got it. And why? are multiple layers of steel and cement used <laughs> in the drilling process. To protect water You got it. There we go. All right, there, there you go. go. <laughs> this has been fun talking about these, these issues, and it really defines what oil and gas is all about, is delivering to meet the needs of Americans, doing it in a cleaner, better, stronger way every day. Shana, thanks for helping be a part of this and spread that great message. We thank you for joining Texoga Talks, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. That's right. There's no test today, but we would love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of your favorite social means, um, uh, social media platforms. You can also visit us at texoga.org and uh, like and subscribe our podcast. You can, and we really want to hear from you, the audience, on topics that you want us to talk about. And if we said something that uh, you don't think's right, we're not uh, afraid of taking a little uh, information from you <laughs> to share with us. So please do that. I also encourage our listeners to visit texogainsurance.com. So the Texas Oil and Gas Association Workers' Compensation Safety Group gives a group member a premium discount based on the premium of the entire group, regardless of individual premium size. Eligible policyholders can earn an additional discount by participating in the Texas Mutual Insurance Company's Worker Comp Healthcare Network. We do appreciate you visiting with us for Texoga Talks, where energy meets insight.
The views expressed on this podcast are not intended and should not be construed to be the views of any particular Texoga member or company. The purpose of this podcast is to engage in candid conversations about energy needs, energy security, and the future of energy.